Presenting by Almost Sideways. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Hey everybody, welcome back to Daily Notes, presented by Almost Sideways. My name is Adam, and this is a very Christmassy holiday special for you guys. So, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating this year. I hope you have a very safe and pleasant holiday. Christmas is just a couple days away, and that's what we celebrate in our household. So we wanted to do a big special holiday special, three different movie reviews and rankings in this episode. So to be broken up, make sure you check the show notes, what's going on and what's happening in the show. You'll hear a ranking of all five Home Alone movies ranked from worst to best. Yes, there are five of those films. I also do my first time watch or a come to the Daily Notes episode, if you will, with a guy from the UK. His name is Paul Klein, and we review It's a Wonderful Life. Never watched it until this last weekend, and we get to talk about that movie here. But one of my favorite segments that I do for the podcast are my nostalgia reviews, the daily dose of nostalgia. That's where I have my wife and my beautiful daughter on the show as well. And today we're going to be talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey. All this stuff is happening in today's episode, so enjoy... The holiday season and full effect, one of those constant movies I always put on every single year is Home Alone. And did you know there's five films in the Home Alone franchise? I did before this, but if you didn't, this is the perfect time to rank all five films from worst to best. All right, kicking off our my list at number five, starting at the bottom, is Home Alone 4. Now, this is a TV film, and some of those films do have great things to offer to cinema, but this one does not have anything nothing redeeming whatsoever the biggest offense is having characters from the original home alone movie be recasted like macaulay Culkin, not in this movie recasted to another kid they bring kevin back they bring his her, his mom his his dad buzz and another sister but he they're forgetting siblings from the original movie big glaring offense they don't even know their own timeline they don't know their own canon but they want to have this film take place after the first two home alone movies without any reference to the cousins or any of the they reference past events heck they even cast recasted daniel stern's character as marv with french stewart same character they mention harry oh my goodness like this movie is ridiculously bad they play the same song on repeat throughout the movie also the movie is called home alone He's not home alone. There's a this house is full of people when these burglars are coming, and uh, yeah, it's bad. Marv back again. French Stewart. I love French Stewart in Third Rock from the Sun. Not in this movie. Horrible. And the, there's a twist in there. It was like this French Stewart's mom or Marv's mom in here as well. It's bad. The uh, child actor and the guy that they got to play Kevin. God bless him, Mike Weinberg. Only two movies he's ever done, and, and unfortunately, this movie is not a great film that he was in, and I'm sorry for him being in it. Uh, yeah, just a glaring offense, offensive film in this franchise. Uh, yeah, just really bad. And, like, the parents get divorced, too, and, like, it's just brutally bad, and Buzz is awful. They look a lot younger than they actually did in the other Home Alone movies. But, again, like I said, plus, like, after, it doesn't make any sense. This is bad. I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. Let's move on. Coming at number four on my list, moving up a step, Home Alone 3. Yeah, you thought I was going to say a different movie, didn't you? But Home Alone 3 for me was one of those movies that I saw in theater when it first came out, and I liked it. I liked it. The more I watched it, I just don't really care about it too much. And 
granted that's probably because the series has drastically went downhill after the first two films but for, for home alone 3 there was some interesting concept here kid was home alone burglars were breaking in this house but they had some like missile technology or something like that some uh some computer chip that's in a toy car some interesting things they were able to do in this movie however a lot of the gags a lot of the traps just weren't funny for me the, the burglars the burglars just didn't, were not as charismatic as marv and harry and again i guess that a lot of that goes to the fact that we're comparing it to the original films and home alone 3 for me was just it lacked any of the laughs and some of the heart as well. And even though it's considerably better than Home Alone 4, it's just something that I'm not really, really interested in rewatching really as well. Bright spot, though. Scarlett Johansson is in this movie. So that's a, that is a bright spot there. But overall, it's, I don't care about it. Coming in number three on my list, Home Alone 5, The Holiday Heist. Now, surprisingly, this movie is my third favorite Home Alone movie because after binge-watching this franchise didn't really hate myself for watching this fifth one. I thought it was actually kind of entertaining. They don't have any recasted characters. It's just brand new kid, Home Alone. And Malcolm McDowell's in this movie. I'm a big fan of Malcolm McDowell from A Clockwork Orange. Uh, a ton of other movies that he's been in as well. So he shows up as this villain. And yeah, granted, this is a TV movie. However, there is, it's better quality, better made. They get a, an actor like Malcolm McDowell to play the villain in this film. I, I'm, gonna, I'm paying attention to it. Some of the traps here, you know, maybe a little amateurish at times, but still some fun there. And even though um, this is a film that came out in this decade, actually, a lot further away from the franchise than the other films, my daughter and I really did have some fun with it. And I thought, yeah, there was some link, some kitty jokes in there, but I enjoyed it. And maybe because I liked Malcolm McDowell so much. Maybe that's probably why I put it number three here. But, yeah, you know, these three, bottom three here, not what you're really coming to see the video for. Coming in number two on my list is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Now, I'm giving the film, the first film, a slight edge because I watched that more growing up. But Home Alone 2 is a lot of fun. A lot of the plot is this familiar compared to the first film, but it takes place in New York. And there's actually some fun parts in there. There's this crazy pigeon lady in Central Park. There's this amazing hotel that Kevin gets to play in. And we see Tim Curry show up, Rob Snyder, and this, this fun cast of characters in this hotel. They're just doing their jobs, but it's not good enough. The customer's always right, apparently. But seeing that you know, the McAllister's losing Kevin once again and, you know, seeing Kevin go to Uncle Rob's house. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Home Alone 2. And it could be number one. It could be number one because the first two films are by far the best things in this franchise that has to offer. Macaulay Culkin, once again, killing it as Kevin McAllister. And also, you got you to throw in Marv and Harry in there. Really enjoy them in this one. And actually, I think the traps in this film are even more brutal than the first one. You got to do that for the sequel. And um, yeah, just a great film. I really like it. Could be, ask me tomorrow. This might be my favorite film in the franchise. But number one, got to go with the original Home Alone film here. Really close, like I said, but the Home Alone one has this like the full spectrum of everything you want growing up and this is a movie that i said i grew up watching constantly i love seeing this film a lot i love showing my daughter this movie we can just bond over these first two films and have such an amazing time uh, macaulay culkin was lighting a bottle like this kind of child actor when it comes around like once in a generation it seems like but he's fantastic in this film and 
seeing him play off the other characters, seeing him hold his own against acting legends like Joe Pesci and Captain O'Hara, as well as John Hurd and Daniel Stern. It's fantastic to see what he's able to do in this one. And having an amazing score by John Williams is, is the icing on the cake here. And it's a very simple uh, plot that definitely feels like a cartoon. And but it, it completely works. All the traps are fantastic. And of course, as a kid, you always imagine yourself being home alone. And if you were able, able to be in this situation, what trap would you set? Always got me thinking growing up. But Home Alone is a movie, a childhood classic that I got to watch every single year. Maybe not even around Christmas time, but I got to at least watch it once a year because it's just lightning in a bottle. I absolutely love this film. All right, so we have a very special guest today talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, I never watched this movie until now, so I'm excited to have somebody with more experience talking about the movie uh, with me today. And that is a guy I met on YouTube, uh, not on YouTube, but on Twitter. I just sent out, I was like, hey, anybody with experience with this film who knows a lot more of it than I do, hit me up if you want to talk about it on a, a podcast. So, and he, he responded, and I'm really excited for this. So, Paul, how are you doing, man? How, where can we, uh, how are, yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Hello. Thank you for, for having me on to wax lyrical about It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Perfect movie to do in 2020. <laughs> oh, God, yes. I guess the first thing I have to say, uh, ask you, is uh, where can we find you on YouTube and social media, if you're on YouTube or anything, or where can we uh, find some of your um, uh, film stuff? Uh, generally, anywhere you want to find me is Twitter, Paul Klein Yo, just all one word. Um, and then from there, I, I link everything else because I forget everything. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter's where I live for film criticism and my terrible opinions on on films. Uh, perfect. All that, all his, uh, well, his Twitter for sure is going to be in the show notes of this YouTube video as well as podcast. So make sure you go uh, give him a follow there and take out check out some of his opinions on films. So. Perfect. <laughs> So Paul, so so people can under know like know more about you. What kind of stuff do you do for uh, film? Where do you like do you share your uh, do you write stuff for reviews or uh, that... yeah? So generally, I write for two different sites, uh, No Majesty and Film Hounds, which is also a magazine. Uh, and there's reviews. Um, I do deep dives into analysis. One of them was uh, how I thought that. War of the Worlds, the Spielberg film was actually about 9-11, which yeah. everyone still everyone's still like, really? I'm like, it's it's about 9-11, man. It's about 9-11. Um, there's also interviews with you know actors and directors where I rarely stay on subject. I end up going off on tangents. Um, just see where the conversation takes me. So yeah, it's sort of all-encompassing film opinions. My my take on things like the Oscars generally, because I'm obsessed with the Oscars. Oh, nice. Uh, stuff like that generally. Oh, perfect. That's that's awesome. Man. Like, what was uh, been your like favorite thing you personally wrote? Well, every every year for No Majesty, I do an alternative Oscars. Like they get it right, but they get it wrong. They don't. They don't appreciate, you know, genre movies. So every year I do that, and I'm like, yeah, I got it right. They got it wrong. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, we have a. What's funny is uh, one of the guys on our podcast. His name is Todd, and he always every January, mind you, he always predicts what's going to be on the Oscars the fall the next year. So not the upcoming Oscars. Oh. 
So he he guesses it a year out. And some and the craziest prediction he ever had was predicting Birdman was going to get best picture. I was so certain it was going to be Boyhood. I had I was like putting money on it. I was like, Boyhood's going to win. And then Birdman did, and I was there like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? What's going on? What were they doing? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah. He's, pretty, he's pretty accurate. He deep dives into IMDb pages and just kind of like, yeah, this sounds like an Oscar movie and crazy to read his articles. So if you haven't uh, already, guys, if you're listening to this, make sure you head up on Almost Sideways and check out some of his Oscar prediction uh, things. Those are fun. Anyway, uh, so what kind of, what has been your kind of stuff that you've been nominating for when you actually redo these Oscars? What, so like... Uh, oh, yeah, it's like when you... That the Oscars got it wrong and you got it right, type of thing. Oh, um, so generally, Logan. Logan was one that swept the board for me. I was like, that's a best picture. That's a best director. That's actor, actress, supporting actor. That's everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, th- things like that. Um, I was pretty angry when uh, Josh Brolin wasn't nominated for if- Infinity War. Because, mm. like, people are like, oh, it's CGI. I'm like, no, it's Shakespearean what he's doing. I was. Yeah. I, I was like, Marvel missed a trick not campaigning for him because I really thought that was, you know, Andy Serkis, every time he played Caesar, I was like, give this man a nomination. <laughs> I'm crying over a monkey here. What's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, they should do something for the, uh, the, 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 you know, the CGI effects because there's still, you have to perform while you're also as this. Well, that's, this yeah, that's what I always thought. It's still a performance. It's like, if they if we didn't have the technology, he'd be wearing makeup, but it's still a performance nonetheless. It's still a, an impressive performance. But you know, they're like, oh no, it's just computers. And it's like, uh, eventually they will. Eventually they'll someone will win for performance capture. And like all things Oscars, it will be the performance that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> you never win you never win for what you should. Yeah, that is true. It's gonna be like uh I can't even think of a really bad one. It's gonna be like uh, Jamie Bell for Fantastic Four or something like that. It's just, yeah. just that thing you know, or something like that. I look, I like uh I like the departed, but that's not that's not best director Scorsese. That's mm-hmm. that's not his bit like that Goodfellas, you know, taxi yeah. driver, king of comedy, and then he wins for you know Christian Bale, like you know, fighters all right. It's not American Psycho, it's not the machinist, you know, it's one of those ones where you're like, you Gary Oldman's another one. Yeah. Know? Darkest yeah, Hour's yeah. fine, but it's not yeah. It's not what he was doing in the 90s. Yeah, and Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess you throw that into with The Revenant. Revenant's really good, but I, I liked him more. Well, The part it's like my favorite movie. So I, I But I get what you're saying with Scorsese, though, and then The well, part. I mean, yeah, I like The Departed. I mean, I, I, the thing with DiCaprio's one, that year, that was an easy year for it. it had he lost, it would be they're out to get him because, like, he was up against weak, like performances that were fine, but they were weak. It was like that. They, the fact that they didn't even nominate uh, Jacob Tremblay from Room, and it's like because it would have been a competition between the two of them, and yeah. they were like, we, you know, Amy Adams is going to win for like. I, I genuinely think she's going to win for Hillbilly Elegy because she just doesn't have an Oscar, and Glenn Close as well. The two of them are going to get their Oscars this year. And it will just be like, oh shit, we never, we haven't given Glenn Close an Oscar yet. We better do that. And it's like, going to be like, really? That that's the one you give it for for Hillbilly. All right, fair enough. At least she yeah. has it. Yeah, it's like a it's a lifetime achievement award for sure at that point. But yeah, that's kind of that is it. 
that's for it's yeah sometimes they get really frustrating in the nominations like i feel like like bridge of spies was one like mark mark rylance like it's fine but compared to like i think stallone and Heck, even Mark Ruffalo was, I thought, <laughs> had a little better for Spotlight, even though it wasn't really, a sh- other than that one scene in that film was showy, but everything else was kind of like, just like, I, yeah, it's just like, it was, was the best, by far the best one for me anyway. And I thought he had it in the bag. And then they're like, Mark Ryland. And then all of a sudden, Mark Ryland is everywhere. And it's just the same character. <laughs> Every yeah, movie. I mean, I, that was Stallone's year. It was a bit, it reminded me of when, um, Sean Penn won for Milk, and you were like, "No, it's Mickey. It's Mickey Rourke's Oscar. Yeah, it's Mickey Rourke's Oscar. He should really have that Oscar. It should be him. It should be, you know, that was the year. That was that was an insane one where I was like, nobody's talking about Milk. Nobody likes Milk. It's yeah. it's, it's nobody's best film. It's that was Mickey Rourke's moment. Yeah, the wrestlers by far like." movie i it's one of my favorites it's in my top 20 movies of all times i absolutely love the wrestling as a wrestling fan too i was uh you know of course the oscars leading up to that mickey mickey rourke uh loss unfortunately he uh stepped in the ring at wrestlemania like a couple like i'm nerdy about wrestling but he stepped in and freaking punched chris jericho in the face it was it was i was was just see i'm not really wrestling but i was like that is that is definitely his moment and then yeah, he didn't but, win. And it was because it was weird because everyone, I mean, that was, I'm assuming that was the same year that Heath Ledger won. And it was like, nobody yeah. wanted to lose against Heath Ledger. I genuinely think, because I know a lot of people have the, oh, he, he got nominated, you know, and it's, they're having it again with Chadwick Boseman, you know, the whole thing, oh, he, he won because he died. And it's like, him winning was never certain for me. But him being nominated was always a given because I do think that the Academy wanted to give the Dark Knight something. So yeah. I always thought he'd be nominated because that was the show performance. But actually, I always thought had he not died, it could have potentially gone to Philip Seymour Hoffman for doubt. But oh. again, nobody, you know, it's like if uh, Ch- Chadwick Boseman, I think this year could have two nominations because I do think you could make the case for Defive Bloods, which I really liked. I thought Defive Bloods was great. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've not seen Ma Rainey yet, and um, but I hear that he's phenomenal in both, and it is that kind of thing of they want to give him something because, yeah, he's both of those films coming out this year, and you know, obviously, sadly passed. But it's like, even from what I'm hearing about Ma Rainey and seeing Defy Bloods, and it's like that guy had range that nobody got a chance to see, like even. You know, because I mean, most people know Black Panther, and I I love Black Panther. I thought it was great. Yeah. But even like, I thought it was great in Marshall. You know, and he's been great in films that I haven't thought were great, but he's been great in them. And it is it's it's a shame. But I do, I hope he wins. I do hope he gets either supporting or lead, because it would just be just like the the final tribute to him. Yeah. I, I think he's probably yeah. It's one. Of, he's going to get the nomination for sure. I, I think at least yeah. for one. Of them. I'm not 100 percent sure which role. I haven't seen Ma Ramey's yet. Uh, but and I, the Five Bloods, I I enjoyed. I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, but yeah, he's he's good. I, I even like a what was that? Twenty One Bridges. The uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought that was pretty good. It's a guilty. It's not like a great movie, but it's a fun like police like whodunit type of movie, which I. 
I find those really enjoyable. So I thought he was pretty cool in that one. And, you know, like even movies like 42, which, you know, was earlier in his career, he was, he was good. And James, he, James Brown, get on up. He was electric. And yeah. mm. I think that's out of the his performance. I think the James Brown one is probably my personal favorite at what he's done because just like that, that character charisma that he needed yeah, to have. He, he did. He nailed the, the whole like stage persona of James Brown. That's why when they announced he was playing Black Panther and a lot of people were like, oh, who's this guy? The people that had seen the other films were like, don't worry, he's he's got this. He's going to really show that he's got. And then obviously when Civil War came out, everyone was like, oh, this guy, this guy's perfect casting. It's like, yeah. generally Marvel, Marvel don't really miscast. They kind of get it right. Kevin Feige is all knowing. He's omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's, he's there. He's all he knows. He, he knows. He I don't think he's. There's not been a single piece of casting in my memory, you know, that I've gone, mm, that's not very good casting. Every, like, even the ones that I've been, I was skeptical about Benedict Cumberbatch, and then I saw the film, I was like, actually, no, he was really good. Yeah. It's I was crazy. like, I've got to stop doubting. <laughs> they were trying to get Joaquin Phoenix to be Doctor Strange, but he said no sequels. Yeah, see, that is... That would have been uh, that would have been weird, but now it's like Cumber it's Cumberpatch. Like it's, it's that's especially going into the next thing. He's going to be like the new kind of like sarcastic Robert Downey Jr. in the next phases. So it's like yeah, for me. Yeah, any any time I've had doubts about casting, and then I've seen the film, and I'm like, no, nah, they get it right. actually. In fairness, DC do as well because there's not really been a casting in the DC films that I've gone. No, nah, I don't like that. They've all been great. I mean, I, I just saw Wonder Woman, and I was just like, she's so perfect in the role. Yeah, the only one I really have an issue there is um, Ezra Miller as the Flash, but it's not like he's bad as the Flash. It's because he's not playing uh, Barry Allen's version of it. He's he's I feel no, like he's, he's Wally West. He's playing like a different version of the Flash, even though his name is Barry Allen in the show. I think I per perceive him more as Wally West. It's that's one thing I've ever praised the Flash. I'm like, it's uh, that's the one thing I didn't like about <laughs> one of the big things I didn't like well, about. Yeah. I'm I'm wait, I'm reserving judgment till I see um you know all four hours of Zack Snyder's you yeah. know yeah, me yeah. mega mega movie yeah you know, which you know I've got reservations about but I mean because obviously you know the whole Joss Whedon thing which you know is is all kinds of problematic but you can you can kind of tell it, I don't I feel like Zack Snyder wouldn't have done what they did with uh the Flash because Zack Snyder's not really a quippy it felt like a Joss Whedon character. It felt, I mean, it felt like Spider-Man, actually. So he, he kind of tried to just put as mm -hmm. much Avengers in there, and it was a bit like, not all, you know, these are different characters. Batman is not Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Joss Whedon, I'm not a, not a fan. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's talk about It's a Wonderful Life, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Because another movie that the Oscars, you know, get nominated for like a couple Oscars here, but they didn't win anything. So, but what's no? It was a it was a flop at the time as well. I was looking into yeah. it, and it was like it like yeah, it was a flop. And now once again, it's one of those things. Just because your film does bad when it gets released, don't worry. There will be it will if it's good. You know, Shawshank did terrible at the cinema, and yet it's one of the great films. Everyone loves it. I love it, and it's yeah. a wonderful life. It's like every year. You know, that film's been out for like nearly a hundred years. And yet people will pay money to go to the cinema to see a film that's on television about 30 times in December. 
yet people go to the cinema you know and it's that thing that's the shame about this year with the whole covid thing is that people like going to the cinema to see it's a wonderful life it's that big it is kind of that thing that brings people together you know and as someone who does go to the cinema every year to see it it is one of those it's one of those films it came out in 1946 and it, it's a wonderful life what's your like your background or experience watching this film do you know what i knew the film before i'd I, it was one of those films where you know lines from it you know scenes from it you know moments from it without ever actually seeing the film mm. i had one of those experiences where you know growing up you know what do you want do you want the moon i'll throw a lasso around it. i knew all that sort of stuff and then uh, I must have been about, I don't know, 10 or something. And like my whole family was around and they were like, oh, you got to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I was like, I don't want to watch a black and white film from like the olden days. I want to watch Batman Returns. Yeah. <laughs> but I lost the I lost the vote and we watched It's a Wonderful Life. And actually it then became like my favorite Christmas film. And it's a film that I see. I see every year. I mean, you know. If uh, if the whole virus thing wasn't happening, I'd I'd be in a cinema watching it probably in the next few days, with like yeah. my whole family, all of them embarrassed because I'm crying at the end because I'm 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 one of those ones that's at the end of the film I'm just like a big mess I'm just sobbing. <laughs> happy tears, happy tears. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sad. I'm happy. Leave me alone. Yeah. No, it's, do you know what? It's like the definition of a feel-good film in that it's a film that makes you feel good. Not yeah. like, you know, and at the end you're like, actually, you know, well, well, it's not so bad. People can be good. Yeah, and especially everything that you he realizes throughout this film. And so you get only nothing about me. Like, this is definitely my first time. It's something I grew up on. I, I do remember watching this, um, not watching this, but seeing or, or hearing lines like every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings i knew that that part i knew him running merry christmas through the streets at the very end of it uh also the lasso scene that you were talking about but that's really all my familiarity familiarity of the film goes but this, this is something that my parents never talked about i nothing that was usually like home alone or even die hard is something that we watch gremlins like all these un, un, maybe unconventional christmas movies as well but Santa Claus, Jingle All the Way, like those are the movies that I used to watch all the time. Charlie Brown Christmas, but It's Wonderful Life never was ever put in, and I'm not 100 sure. Maybe it's my parents didn't really get attached to this one either. But watching it this year, I I, I had some fun with this one. Uh, going into it though, like I was watching it for like an hour and 30 minutes. I was like, how is this a cr renowned Christmas movie? Like it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie for the first like 90 minutes of the movie, but then I realized the last 40, the back end of the movie. That's where it's some of the best Christmas stuff I've ever seen. I just loved how it kind of kind of ties in. You can feel like a Christmas carol in there, or with like uh, a lot of like going to the cemetery and realizing, oh, his choices, you know, affected a lot of people uh, throughout his life, and then he wants to go back. And it just it's it's very magical. And I definitely, uh, especially when um, Clarence gives the book to him at the end, and that's where I kind of started tearing up. I was like. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Like, oh, I started, I started to wipe my one tear away. That's what I, <laughs> I, like, so I, I know what the happy tears. Like, I, I definitely I felt a little happy about this one too. So, yeah, I, it is as well. It's that kind of thing, you know. I mean, I know everyone every year is like, oh, times are getting darker. But this year in particular, you know, you guys had, you know, in, in the in the states there was the elections, you know, COVID, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff in the UK as well. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to watch a film where there's a truly decent person 
reminded that he's a decent person and rewarded for it because you know a lot of films and you know i like die hard die hard's kind of cynical oh yeah. you know home, home alone's home alone's like a film about a kid who has such an awful family they don't notice he's missing until they're like out of the country it's like how oh, bad are your terrible parents whereas it's a wonderful life's like no if you you know if you're a decent person and you you know do the do what's right to your heart then you'll be rewarded for it in that people will remember that and uh you know i mean i have to admit mr potter as a villain is like for me up there like you know, he's just he's just awful. He's just the worst. I hate him so much. I hate him more than other movie villains. Like, honestly. Like, I'm like, do you know what? Darth Vader's got some redeeming features. He galvanized that empire. But <laughs> Mr. Potter's the worst kind of human. That's a good call, actually. Yeah. What's funny is watch because this is the like I said, first time watch. You'll probably hear me say that quite a bit this podcast episode. But you know, the person I always like thought about when I was watching, I was like, that's Jeffrey Lebowski. That's that's <laughs> Jeffrey Lebowski. <laughs> that was my whole time. I was like, if this movie was to be remade, remade and he was still alive, that's the guy I would want to play, Mister. Yeah, he's absolutely the worst guy. Like, he he's just so like all he cares about the money. He doesn't care about how other people think, and you know, just belittles people. It's just like it's ah, an infuriating person. But again, at the same time, you have the complete opposite with, you know, George Bailey here. And it's like, he's just such a good person. He tries to take care of everybody. Obviously the whole town comes to the rescue at the very end of the movie too. It's, it's, it's awesome. I'm just George, Jimmy, uh, James Stewart as George Bailey. It's one of his, my favorite. Oh, no. James Stewart yeah. Performance. yeah. Also, it's, it's one of those, one of those things that people go, Oh yeah, it's just all about like sentimentality and stuff. And it's like, well, that is a big part of it. But, Actually, from like an analysis point of view, James Stewart does some amazing performance stuff in that film. There's there's the bit where he comes home and, you know, it's all falling apart for him and he's desperate. And uh, Zuzu sits on his lap and he's hugging her and it just goes in on his face and he's trying to hold back tears because he doesn't want to cry in front of him. And it's like, that is subtle, subtle stuff. And it's heartbreaking. Because, you know, it's that whole thing about parents don't want to be weak in front of their kids, yeah. especially at, at Christmas. That is such a great scene. The scene where um, where his brother returns and says he's going to move. And he, for a split second, is angry because he knows he'll never leave town. Mm -hmm. And then he remembers, oh, my brother just got married. I should be happy. It's yeah. a lot of really subtle stuff that people forget because they just remember, you know, the big moments. But it's like... James Stewart's doing a lot of difficult work in that film. Yeah, it's a lot of a uh, not showy stuff that happens. And I like I, we kind of I talked about this. We did a, like a podcast episode, as a uh, longer form deep dive, and I was kind of part of that with the other guys contributors on our podcast. And they were definitely saying like I didn't realize that James Stewart was kind of out leaving Hollywood. This was like his coming back party too. He got back into like films and stuff like that, and definitely knocked out of the park with this role as uh, George Bailey. Uh, was there any other uh, characters that you really kind of are fond of? Maybe don't eat, or some maybe on the opposite, you don't even care for at all. Um, my see, everything I do actually, I do think it is. I do think there are structural issues with the film. I do. I think that it should have started with him on the bridge and then flashed back, and it doesn't. It kind of does it linear, which I think is an issue. But 
every performance in it, I actually do think is perfectly pitched. The only thing I don't like is when they do the alternative, what if George Bailey was never born? And they kind of make out like nobody would ever want to marry Mary. And it's like, I mean, she is quite clearly one of the most beautiful women in this town. Yeah, exactly. all, all they've done is give her a pair of glasses and put her hair in a ponytail. And it's like, she's still beautiful, though. Yeah, it's that classic. That's the only thing is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like watching, you know, it's like, the, the funny thing is, is that they still do it. It's like, you're telling me that Sandy in Greece is not gorgeous before she puts on leather trousers. You know, ev uh, um, you know, like she's all that. And you're like, she's still fit, though. Yeah. All you've done is take her glasses off, but she's still fit. She was fit before, and it's the same there. It's like, she's still gorgeous. Surely somebody in the town would, would want to ask her out, surely. Yeah. That's funny. Didn't think about that, but yeah, like that Donna Reed, like one of her first, like her first performance too. That's one of my favorite ones. Like it, that was like kind of a hard one to recast. I, I thought she was, especially that like last sequence. She's a, she's electric through the whole movie, but I really liked her, like her a lot in this one. Kind of keeps uh, and also what a freak like understanding why if you're you're just got married, you're about to leave on your honeymoon, and then all of a sudden he George Bailey leaves the carriage to go and like give the money away to a bunch of people, and just. And they come home and they have this whole like this abandoned house set up and that's where they start building their future together i was like that that's what a understanding wife <laughs> i forgive you know that because what other wife would you get on your wedding day not want to go on to your uh your your honeymoon you know yeah and spend it in what looks like a, a condemned house like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. about uh, you would not get me in that house i'd be like no 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 that's got termites there were dead bodies in that house. I don't want to go in there. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it, a great character for Mary, too, and especially when they first meet. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, too. It kind of remind, reminded me of, like, modern times uh, with, like, them dancing, and as the floor starts opening up, and they're, like, almost, are, were they going to fall in? Are they not going to fall in? And eventually they do fall into the pool. But that was that's a fun sequence right there. It definitely got me, like, kind of Char Charlie Chaplin, like, kind of vibes to it as well so i that's their introduction meeting up for the first time one of my favorite scenes in this movie yeah i see i think i think all of that's great it's, it's one of those films as well that it's like it's like five different genres in one yeah true it, it's you know when when they when they're courting at the beginning it's like a screwball comedy it's like a rom-com you know, that's the, all that sort of stuff with the pool, as you say, is like stuff that would be in a Richard Curtis film. You could imagine Hugh Grant falling into a swimming pool with someone. And then it moves into, you know, like stuff to do with property development. And you're like, this has turned into like a, almost like a political film. And then yeah. it turns into like a, almost like a sci-fi film. And then it's a comedy. And then it, you know, it's one of those films where it's like all of them just mashed together. And then yeah. when you get a, uh, you know, when Clarence the Angels introduced, you're like, well, now now we've gone straight into the realm of slapstick comedy. Good point. Yeah, the like you bring up the property stuff that 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 for me was like the only thing. Because at that point, I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, what's going on exactly? Like, this kind of totally like, how is this a renowned Christmas movie? That's when I started really thinking that because there's like no no references to Christmas, but this is the one that always plays around Christmas time, and even though that stuff was very interesting about the, like the property and all like the money situation and stuff like that too. But it wasn't something like I would ever have thought or associated with this film, but it kind of in the bigger picture of stuff kind of makes, 
it makes sense, but at the same time, it definitely feels like it starts to drag right at that those moments there. Yeah, it is, it's it's so bizarre as well because you're like, you know, when you look at you know the post is like him holding his kids and his wife, and everyone's like, oh, the perfect Christmas film, and you're there going, so far nothing Christmassy's happened. I've seen people go to a dance. I've seen a man nearly poison some children, and now this horrible man in a wheelchair is trying to buy the city and name it after himself. Where is this Christmas film? Yeah, exactly. it is one of the. You do sort of sit there going, "This is the Christmas." Die Hard has jingle all the way straight away. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, what, what, what? Where is it going? You know, like especially when you're like the first ninety minutes, and then when you hit that, when you start seeing a bunch of snowfall, like, okay, here's the Christmassy stuff, like. 40 minutes in before it ends. So let's talk about that, the, the Christmassy stuff, because, you know, this is the holiday season. So uh, this was this like, is this 40 minute segment probably some of the best Christmassy stuff you've seen in cinema before? Yeah, I would, I would say so. I don't know. There's, it's not even like there's overt Christmas. Cause you know, if you want to watch like stuff with like father Christmas, you can watch miracle on 34th street. Yeah, it's true. just the kind of feeling it, that the film has that, the snow helps, even though you can tell that all of them were shooting it in the summer. Because <laughs> at several points, it looks James Stewart looks like he's going to get heat stroke. The poor man is <laughs> like sweating profusely. It's like this poor guy, <laughs> but it still has that Christmas feeling of, you know, the Christmas films that I really like all have kind of a redemption to them, or you know, that's what you know. That's why people like a Christmas Carol because it's about a man being better and this one is a man at his you know when he's at his lowest someone says actually you're the kind of people we need in this world that's kind of a christmas thing to me yeah you know that kind of you know goodwill to all men you know and that's what i kind of that's what i see in the film and then you know you add everybody singing old lang syne at the end and then you know a giant christmas tree <laughs> true yeah the uh that ending shot when like everybody starts coming up there and throwing on their money. And like, that was kind of, kind of funny. I'm like, oh, so hopefully no one gets sticky fingers in that situation, but <laughs> <laughs> the sticky bandits show up at the very end of the movie and start taking all the money. No, uh, well, that'd be a, that would be amazing. That'd be a great, a great crossover. Great crossover. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to see would... come in just like with this, like his glove and just like start taking some of the money. It'd be funny. Uh, but the, but the, like the last like, like you're right absolutely right though like you're seeing this guy going back and like seeing this alternate reality of what could have been if he wasn't born but like his his brother wouldn't obviously be alive everybody like the, the situation with Mary the, the martini and everything like that we get brought together and he was so integral to the city being what it was and obviously him not being there it would clearly be Pottersville and which is totally a Back to the Future thing that they uh, that I think Back to the Future stole. For oh the, yeah, definitely. The tannin, but uh, the then him realizing like, no, I want to go back because I I want my kids, I want my wife, and he realizes like, you know what? It doesn't matter what situation I'm in right now, in his current life, like I'm gonna have my family, my perfect family, and I'm happy, I'm happy and content with that, and whatever's gonna happen happens, and realize that he he's like kind of like the the straw like or then the glue that brings the town to keeps the town together that's what kind of it is so a uh, very awesome inspirational thing it's like it's i love the ending like obviously you said you get brought to tears every year and being seen for the first time too like yeah it's kind of hard not to be like have a smile on your face at least 
uh, doing that last couple of minutes of the film. But yeah, and people people obviously forget, you know, because of all the stuff. Oh, it's got an angel in it. Every time a bell rings, that you know, the main plot point is that a man is going to kill himself on Christmas Eve, <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's like that's a dark thing. And I think people forget as well. You know, suicide rates do go up at Christmas, so there is that kind of underlying thing of, yeah, we're having a great time. It's Christmas. Everybody loves each other, but there's some real darkness in the world, and yeah. you kind of see elements of it's wonderful life reflected in a ton of christmas like i always say that people go oh you could never remake it's a wonderful life i say they did it's called lethal weapon a man <laughs> wants to kill himself and a bumbling older guy tell shows him that life's worth living that's it's a wonderful life yeah that's it's true. just it's just got more swearing and crazy mel gibson hair <laughs> it's the same basic principle and true you know you kind of see that thing reflected time and time in in good christmas films not in bad ones yeah. which there are tons of yeah there's a lot of bad ones but like family man <laughs> family man with nicholas cage is another one that's very similar to this as well where it's like he goes back and sees this alternate reality too and it's like basically you have don Cheadle as the the angel kind of tell him telling him stuff about you know it's very there's a lot of similarities i think with that movie too maybe that's not a christmas movie but I like I like the Family Man with Nicolas Cage anyway with Taylor. Taylor I like. Do you know what I like? I like the Family Man as well. Even yeah. though, even though Nicolas Cage in that film, I'm like, I can't buy you as like a romantic comedy lead. Like, you don't strike me as a Family Man at all. <laughs> but Nicolas Cage is awesome, so we just give him a pass. Oh, I love Nicolas Cage. Yeah, no, I mean, I would I would watch him in something more like Die Hard. Yeah, which he essentially, which he essentially did. It's called Con Air, and that's also yeah. amazing. That's true. So every uh, little podcast, we, because we're big fans of Nicolas Cage on this podcast, if you had to recast one character in this movie with Nick Cage, who would it be? If Nick oh, Cage man. in this movie, who would it be? Oh, that is so difficult. It's a tough one. Nineties Nicolas Cage. I would put him as Mr. Potter. Ooh. Nowadays, I'd see him as Clarence the Angel, but I would love to see 90s Nicolas Cage. Put him in old guy, fat guy makeup, but let him do crazy 90s Nicolas Cage is about to explode. Like, put this <laughs> film in the middle, like, you know, you've got Face Off, Con Air, The Rock. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> He'd what have a, gone mental with that role. What a filmography for that 90s era <laughs> for Nick Cage. Yeah. Oh, I would. Great. He'd make a great Mr. Potter. He'd make a good Clarence. I think he'd 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 bring something different to it. But I would I would love to see him. Yeah, he could as, it up as Clarence. Yeah, for sure. He'd Mr. go. Potter's yeah, bad call. Mr. Potter's not a bad call. I I had a, a Sam actually. Sam Cartwright. That was one I thought. Oh um, yeah, I could see that. I could see he that. could do it. A younger version of him for sure. But um, that's who I thought. That's kind of who I thought originally. But yeah, I like those two calls, especially if you're putting him in that era. You put him a big, a big like a the darkest hour suit on. Yeah, yeah. Slather him in makeup, just like you know, really go to town on him, but let him go mental. Yeah, and don't uh, tell anybody that Nicolas Cage is in the role until they have to figure it no. out. That's Nicolas like, Cage. Like a like a Tom Cruise in uh, Tropic Thunder. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. is, that, is that Nicolas Cage? Yeah, I was like, wait. Yeah, that is Nicholas Cage, and they they catch it. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be perfect. Actually, I kind of dig that. We should re we should be, we should make that happen now. <laughs> Do you know what? Because 
I, I think, I mean, I'd be surprised if anyone said he should play George Bailey because I like Nicolas Cage, but the only person in the world who can play that role, except for James Stewart, is probably Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, 90s Tom Hanks would be good. 90s I, Tom Hanks would ace that role. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think uh, if they did it today, I, my thought was Jake Gyllenhaal. He, I can see that. I can see that. Kind of, you could tell the same kind of emotions with his face quite well. Obviously, I don't. Recasting it with today's actors is tough, um, but I think Jake Gyllenhaal could do it. That's who. That's who I personally thought. But yeah, nineties Tom Hanks. I think would knock this one out of the park. Yeah. Uh, was there any of what other scenes do you resonates really well with you? We're talking about some of the best things for the movie. Um. Do you know what? I don't know why it sticks in my memory, but uh, when he's pla when George Bailey's planning to leave town and he holds his hands out really far to say how big he needs a suitcase always makes me laugh, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I literally have no idea why, but it just always makes me laugh. It's the way it's shot. It's shot from like the end of his hand, and he's like that. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> but it's... True. Yeah, it's, it's like small moments like that that I remember. I have to admit... <laughs> um, also, uh, when when he's in the alternate timeline and he goes to the bar and he's talking to the guy behind the bar and he's like the most 1940s tough guy in the world. Like, <laughs> he sounds like someone doing an impression. If you were like, oh, dude, you know, sound like Robert Mitchum. That that whole sequence mate, is so, it's horrible, but it's also weirdly funny. Yeah, that's true. I thought, I, I kind of got a laugh at that too. I'm like, this guy is completely like he just became a jerk like with the alternate reality <laughs> timeline. I was like, he's he's just, he's just a jerk now. Yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. Like, obviously, it's a heightened thing, but you're like, so really, one man was stopping this entire town from becoming essentially Vegas. Like, he doesn't exist, and the whole town is like sex clubs and brothels and porn theaters <laughs> and casinos. It's like, wait, one tiny little loaning bank was stopping the entire town from descending into Las Vegas on acid. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, that is true. But then also without him, that one house wouldn't at least have been remodeled. I guess it'd still be in shambles. Do they not own like, they're not going to like destroy the house, clean it up. Like they're just going to leave the house like, across the street from like somebody else's house. Like it's completely abandoned and destroyed. Like and what's it's, up with that? it's a big house. Like that could be a boarding house or, you know, in this timeline, a brothel probably. Like that's like a nice sized house. What's going it's so bizarre. Know, right? The whole thing. The whole thing is like so George Bailey was stopping a beautiful Donna Reed from being a virgin for her whole life. And was stopping everyone from being essentially gangsters and the whole town descending into into sex work. Like that's a lot if I was if I was George Bailey, I'd be like, God, I cannot die. If I die, this town's this town's screwed. Yeah, I just have no to outlive Mr. Potter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. The uh, and then the whole thing with like one of my favorite character, minor characters in the movie is Bert the cop. Like that one <laughs> scene, George Bailey's running away and he just opened fires in a crowd of people. I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like you became a stormtrooper, all you can't hit a target to save your life. But why are you shooting into a group of people? It's, it's a, very, it's a small town. Everyone knows each other. You're gonna hit someone. Yeah, exactly. And then you're gonna be like exiled from that uh, community forever now. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, watch, watching it again this year when he starts firing into a crowd, and you're like, "Yikes!" 
Yeah, that's this, that this bit hasn't aged well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another scene that kind of didn't age well either for me was the after the dance sequence, right before the, the lasso when he accidentally steps on the and she's like completely inside the bushes and uh, Donna Reed's character. I was like, <laughs> just give her back the blanket, just go. <laughs> it's like stop playing, stop playing, playing with her, just go. Like that, that seems like uh, I was uncomfortable because there's an age gap between the two characters. I'm just like, ah, uh, that's uh, a little awkward, but uh, yeah, but that's just like those two scenes exactly. I don't feel like aged ex entirely well, but in the context of the movie, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, yeah, if you take them out, you're like, oh god, cop firing into a crowd. It's like, yeah, but in fairness. When you watch the film, you do want to shoot George. You just you, at that time he has like, to triumph over more things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, I guess overall, kind of our takes on the movie. Uh, what what's like your? This is the movie that you're going to continue to watch for years to come. And what's your overall uh, your thoughts on the the film as a whole? Yeah, I mean, for me, it will. Yeah, it will be a film every Christmas. It's like. Some years I won't watch certain films, but I know that that and Batman Returns, I am going to be watching <laughs> without yeah. fail. Usually back to back as well. Uh, oh. You know, Light in the Dark, and uh, in both as well. And uh, yeah, for me, it's kind of a testament that people do versions of the film. Mm. You know, you see, you go, oh, it's a bit like It's a Wonderful Life, but they've never done a straight It's a Wonderful Life remake yeah. because, you know, you kind of it is one of those things where it's like you can't really mess with perfection and it is kind of that thing of and even the things that are slightly wrong with it and slightly problematic about it you go yeah but it kind of adds to the charm as opposed to you kind of go oh that's unfortunate yeah I, I, yeah it definitely adds to the charm mystique of this film and for me like watching it for the first time with the new the 2020 goggles i guess and the first time watch experience i i did enjoy it i think like i said like the last i was kind of like mid-range movie like th three stars for me we have four stars here but three star film and then i got to the christmasy part i'm like wow this definitely stepped it up a whole notch for me it's so i think it's a really great movie i think it actually the entirety of the thing actually is real makes a lot of sense i do really dig what you said like have the movie start off with him on the bridge and doing a flashback sequence instead of having it because i thought it was really awkward like these two these stars are just talking to each other up on a in the heavens i guess you would say but that, i thought that was kind of weird but definitely having him on the bridge to start off i think that's a great shot right there and yeah i just i like the performance of jimmy stewart is really great in this one one of my favorite performances he's given and donald reed is electric a lot of the other characters we haven't even talked about are awesome but i think the the big one that's one of the best movie villains is mr potter horrible bill great villain well he's just honestly like you know when people go oh he's the worst yeah he's the damn worst he's honestly the worst <laughs> just i get so angry i hate him so much i'll forgive <laughs> any villain except mr potter he's the one i'm like nah you're irredeemable yeah irredeemable yeah perfect um i'm trying to think one last thing here uh, yeah i think for me if i was gonna next year i'll probably definitely for sure give this other rewatch I, i'm glad I, I was able to buy it the one negative about the one thing i was kind of frustrated i bought the movie on the blu-ray right i opened it up first time and the case is already cracked and that wasn't <laughs> i'm like what the heck? i just just took this out of the plastic why is this case already 
and then you can't even tell from the outside because it, it, it's in the like the crease of the, the sides here. I'm like, huh, I, I, just my luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's a, nor here nor there. So. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Anything for Salina. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Han Solo. I'm Captain Millennium Falcon. The, the, the Grinch! Get off my plane. Hey everybody, welcome back to your latest episode of the Daily Dose of Nostalgia, where we talk about a film that means a lot to us and our childhood. I am joined today by my beautiful, crazy daughter, who is going to have a lot of fun with this pod, this episode, I feel. And that is Evelyn. How are you doing today, Evelyn? Good. Are you excited to talk about the Grinch? Yeah. You know he's mean. I don't want him here because he will steal my presents. Oh, he will steal your presents? Yeah. Ooh, well, we'll have to talk about that and your feelings. We'll have to unpack those feelings in a second. I'm also joined by the one, the only, Arlette Vasquez Romero. Mm. Arlette, how you doing today, my beautiful wife? Good, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantabulous today. How was your uh, holiday season so far, honey? So far, so good. Busy, but good. Busy, but good. Yeah, absolutely. So today, we're going to be talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It came out in 2000, stars Jim Carrey, and is directed by Ron Howard. Arlette, was this a film that you grew up on, or what was your very first experience that you remember about this movie? I want to say it was about middle school is when I first watched this movie. Um, I didn't know nothing about the Grinch, read other movies or his books or anything like that. So first time watching it, I really, really enjoy it. I still do. I That's like my to-go Christmas movie. To-go Christmas movie, absolutely. I, I, I guess, were you a big Dr. Seuss fan? Did you know anything about Dr. Seuss's books or anything like that before? Yeah, I knew his books, but I didn't know... You were an avid yeah. reader of it. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, Evelyn, same question to you. What was the, what was your first experience watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Did mommy or daddy show you this movie to you? First of all, I want to say something. The, there's another movie about the Grinch. Another combat different, but um, it's about uh, Max. Give him coffee. So check that one out. It's really good. I love it. Oh, that's the oh, one. That's with, a newer one. That's the one with Benedict Cumberpatch from the Studio Illumina- Illumination Studios, who made the Minions movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. We saw that in theaters, didn't we? We saw that a couple years ago. Yeah. All right. So how about this movie? What when was the first? Do you remember when you first watched this one? You have no idea. Do you like this movie? That's, I guess that's a better question to ask you. Yes. Okay, awesome. I'm glad you like it. So we're gonna, We'll talk about more of that in a second. Uh, for me, my first experience watching this movie was probably in the year, roughly in the year 2000. And I, I thought it was fine when I first watched it. I was like, ah, oh, there's nothing too special. Jim Carrey's kind of past his prime. It's kind of my thought process. But like, I think when you and I first met, we kind of watched, started watching this every single year, and I've appreciated this movie so much more every single time we watch it. And I definitely have seen that this is... You have your holiday tradition movies that you can't feel the holiday spirit until you watch these movies. I, I For me, it's Home Alone. Was Is there any other movies for you, Arlette, that you, you can't get the holiday spirit until you watch? The Grinch yes. and what other movie? 
Four Christmases. I love that movie. It's hilarious and really funny. Yeah, Four Christmases. I think that's an, a future nostalgia review I think we're going to do probably next year. For sure, we got to do that one. And Elf for me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, Elf is another one I, I've really liked. You've watched Elf for the first time, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, can, quick thoughts on Elf. I It was good. I'm surprised it took me this long to watch it, but I really liked it. It was funny. <laughs> we might have to do a Come to the Daily Notes about the first time watch of Elf. <laughs> no. The, um, Evelyn, what other Christmas movies do you really like watching? I, well, well, there's a toy of an elf, and he sees you every time he, but if you guys are good, um, he will give you stuff, and if you're bad, he won't. Oh, Elf on a okay. Shelf? Yeah. Yeah, I want to get it. All right, we, may, we may have to start that tradition next year. Mm -hmm. What, was there another Christmas movie you like? Um, Home Alone. Oh, Home That's Alone. That's a good one. That's a really good one. My brother was named after Kevin. My mom really liked oh, that movie. Did you know movie. that? Kevin McAllister. Your brother was, her brother, Uncle Kevin, was named after Kevin McAllister. Isn't that crazy? I already know. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I'm letting the people that know at home. They don't know yet. But anyway, 2000s, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Another f f cool, fun thing. I actually was able to go to Universal Studios in Hollywood and went to the, took the backlot tour. You can go, like kind of go, they take you on a tram right through the backlot studio. Oh, to see. Uh, fun fact for you, too, is that actually when I was there, they were actually filming the season finale, like the series finale of Desperate Housewives. Really? We had to stop right outside the little city and say, hey, Quiet, no talking. We have to be. They're filming a scene right now. So then, after we went through the city, uh, the little, little town of just what's it called, Disturbia or Mysteria or something like that, like the Desperate Housewives city, uh, we we came across like the little Bates Motel replica for like Psycho, and then we saw the came across this, like this big crash site of War of the Worlds, and then after we passed the War of the Worlds plane crash scene, we entered the land of Whoville. <laughs> from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was magical. Uh, but that was my big experience with, you know, Grinch that time. I kind of liked it a lot, a lot more. And then when I met you, of course, then we started watching it. All right, so Arlette, before we really get into our topics that we wanted to talk about for the Grinch, I wanted to see, did you know that this movie was nominated for three Oscars? Okay, three Oscars. At the like the 2001 Oscars that aired in well obviously 2001, but for the 2000 movies, they were nominated for best makeup, best costume design, and best art direction. Do you think it won any awards? Do I think? Uh, I haven't heard of it, so no. And actually, it did win one Oscar. I didn't know that it actually did. It what? won one Oscar. Yeah, best makeup. Really? Is it deserving? Yeah. Yeah, it is like that. It, it's beautiful. Yeah, great makeup. I'm trying to th remember. Like, I'm gonna probably pull that up in a second. The 2001 Oscars because that that it it, it those three um, movies were uh, pretty awesome. Let's see here. All right, so yeah. So the 2000 Oscars, we like I said, three nominations for this movie. The you know going up against for makeup, it had th only three nominees. This is the category it did win in. It also went up against Memories of a Geisha, and also, what was this film called? Shadow of the Vampire, which I've never, I've never seen either of those films. Have you heard of any of those ones by chance? No? All right. Um, it also went up against Costume Design. Five nominees for this movie. Gladiator was the winner. Um, Ridley, Ridley Scott's film. 102 Dalmatians. 
as you do. Uh, Crouching Tucker, Hidden Dragon, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and uh, Quills. Quills. Uh, those I've seen four of those movies. Gladiator's a good choice, but you know, I would Gladiator Grinch be either one with for me. There was one more. The production design. Where is it here? In the art direction. It went to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, also nominated with Gladiator, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Quills, and Fatal. Fatal. So, yeah, I'm surprised they got three nominations, though. I think that's fantastic. Did you know that? I did not know that. Now uh, I do. All right, so did you know, Arlette, that this movie was also nominated for one Golden Globe Award, which was the award show before the Oscars? It was Jim Carrey. He was nominated for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy Film. Did you know that? I did not. The more you know. You want? To, are you curious to know who we went up against? Who did he go up against? Good question. He went up against uh, John Cusack for High Fidelity, Robert De Niro for Meet the Parents. He went with Mel Gibson with What Women Want. And then also George Clooney, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which was, he was the winner. And out of those ones, I think I would definitely go with George Clooney uh, as my winner because that movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? was fantastic. But Jim Carrey just getting nominated for this crazy performance that he gives as the Grinch. That's pretty awesome as, as, as well. Yeah. Did not know that. And it looks like also nominated for the at the BAFTAs, which is the the big awards before the Oscar happened, it was Best Makeup and Hair, and it actually won at the BAFTA Award for Best Makeup and Hair, which, you know, come to find out, it also won at the Oscars for as well. Yeah. So that was kind of telling. The wins at the BAFTAs, usually it's going to win at the Oscars too. But anyway, enough with that kind of award talk. I just kind of want to throw that in there as a, as a did you know type of thing. Mm-hmm. But let's get into some of our topics that we had we wanted to discuss with you guys. And, this is going to be our favorite Grinch moment. What kind of moments do you just love about the Grinch in this film? I love every moment of the Grinch. To narrate to one. I know I said one earlier, but now it just... Drawing a blank? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you mine. So there was a scene in this movie that he improv, Jim Carrey improv did. And it's where uh, he's explaining to Max, and he actually ties up the, the, the little antler horn to his head. He says, you're a reindeer. He puts in the baseball cap. He's trying to like, be like Ron Howard, who's the director of this movie. He's like, you're a reindeer. Here's your motivation. <laughs> you, and then he flicks the dog, flicks it off. And it's like, ah, you hate, the, you hate yourself by your, your nose and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty funny. Now, that scene is one of my favorite like, yeah. little Grinchy moments. But that's also very Jim Carrey in that performance as well. So that that would have to be one of my favorite moments from him. I have so many ever others. So can you have you think of something funny? Uh, it could be something small. We could, we can talk about this for a little bit. I like the one where he got invited and he was trying to find an outfit and just changing and changing. That was a really good um, moment. Or when he was fighting with his own echo. Fighting with that. Yeah. I'm gonna whisper so quietly so when it the we get time it gets to back there and ricochets it won't be I won't be able to hear it. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, I know the scene you're talking about before too. Um, it's when he first gets back into his like his little his home. Yeah. And then he uh, he's like, "Am I only eating because I'm bored?" Yeah. Have we all? We've always been there. We've As been we there. were eating. <laughs> As we were eating food, yeah. Oh. I also like the the sequence where he he gets invited to to be the holiday cheermeister. Yeah. And then. Uh, 
Cindy Lou Who invites him or whatever. That's her name, right? Yeah. Cindy Lou Who. Invites her to him to be the holiday cheermeister, and he's sitting there. He's like, let me check my schedule. And he plays yeah. this clip. Um, I love that sequence. That's a very funny one. We had a YouTube friend who, for Halloween, dressed up as the Grinch and acted out this, this that scene on TikTok. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty spot on. It was pretty awesome. I also like the one when he first, um, in the beginning, when he came down to Whoville and like did some reckless things, like give kids a, a saw and tell them to run with it openly, <laughs> and then um, with Cindy Lou Who in the mail, post-mail section. Oh, the mail room, yeah. yeah. The sorting room. So, I actually, when I was watching this, I totally forgot about this memory, uh, but I remember vaguely about this game that they made a Grinch game. I think it was one of like, the first games you could play the villain. I think that's what I recall yeah. in my head. But you could play the Grinch. I remember getting you to go to the city of Whoville and collect different things, and you actually have his outfit where he's like sneaking around town with the mask and stuff. So, I remember that quite a bit, actually, and seeing that in playing that level and I kind of am interested to go back on the PS1 and try to find that maybe at Super Smash Games or whatever in Tacoma and try to see if we can find it because that would be kind of fun playing this the Grinch the Grinch game especially with Evelyn and possibly with you too yeah. it was fun any other moments that you can like stands out for you as a good uh, Grinchy moment I, I know I have another one too um I like him as Baby Grinch and then you raise the question, like, wait, didn't he get pushed, or didn't he knock another baby, so where was he originally intended to go? Yeah, that's what this, like, crazy, watching it this time, there were so many different, like, like this world of who, like, yeah. asking, like, okay, wait a second, if the Grinch came down on a parasol with all the other babies to go to their homes, but the wind, or he bumped into another baby that yeah. pushed him away from his actual trajectory, yeah. as I learned to speak here, uh, his trajectory. Where would the Grinch? Is there like a city full of like these green creatures, like these whatsits or whatever? Yeah. And these Grinches. That'd be kind of interesting to know and yeah. explore. But then also, I had another one when he goes back into like the waste, like dump it to crump it. Like he hops yeah. into that thing in the back and he gets dumped in. So he clearly that that pipe must go through his house or really close to his house because he's he lives at the top of the Mount Crumpet anyway. Yeah. That's where exactly where it dumps out. So. He would have to have an entrance to the dump at near his house. That tube would have to go through it. Yeah. It, it that's and it, and then why also when you you mentioned his uh his the mail room. Yeah. Another thing I thought it's like why the heck does the Grinch have a PO box there? <laughs> like he has he, the dad. He's like check this check his mail his mailbox. No one's no outgoing no ingoing for Christmas letters. It's all cobwebbed. I'm like why does why is he paying for this PO box? It's just the fact that he. He's this Grinch, and he's like, "Haha, I don't have any letters coming in." Like, yeah. what? That seems like an unnecessary expense. <laughs> but I, I, that little thing about like it happens in this movie is what I kind of love about it. It's just like yeah. I want to know more about that world, this world, and I guess that's the beauty about what Ron Howard was able to do with it. It's not a critique of the movie. I just wanted to more know more about yeah. it. You know. Any other thing like, like any like funny moment or saying that he said it as a baby Grinch? As a baby Grinch? Was there like... Cause he's had some funny lines as a baby Grinch. I didn't yeah. know if you thought... Because you mentioned them. I didn't know if you thought about yeah. there was a specific thing. I just thought all the scene is funny. Well, cute. And I also like when... 
I know her as Howard or Leonard's mom from Big Bang Theory as when she was younger she really had a crush on him but tried to portray that she didn't have a crush yeah he, she clearly did yeah, yeah Leonard's mom from Big Bang Leonard's I'll get her mom. name in a second here she would always be Leonard's mom <laughs> always be Leonard's mom or I always think of her also as Adam Sandler Values she's uh, she's one of the camp counselors there I have a wonderful idea yeah, yeah it's her too <laughs> see yeah exactly yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, we talked about the Grinch quite a bit here. I think we have to we we can't mention the Grinch without talking about Max, his dog. And we have a dog, Django. Yeah. If only Django could be <laughs> as quiet and as like just loyal as well. Django's loyal, loyal, but you know what I'm saying. But he needs an emotional support dog for himself. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a dog to su- support his emotions. Uh, any favorite like moments with Max? I guess my one of mine ties into that sequence with Grinch, with he's just like with the reindeer, yeah, antler. I like that he's the moral compass um, to the Grinch. Like the Grinch is the Grinch, but he has a soft spot for his dog, even though he he at times is mean to him in a nice way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Max is such a funny because he's just like he's basically kind of like the audience watching yeah he doesn't say anything we as an audience we can't communicate yeah. to the grinch on screen or anything like that but we could we're he just he, the dog is like yeah. it's our us communicating to grinch he's like really like his expressions like <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and I, I don't think it's a good looking dog like he looks like he's a goatee like <laughs> he does look like he has a goatee yeah. but it, it's funny i like the yeah. max any any special like specific moment for max that you really is like that's that dog is awesome I think the dog is awesome in general. <laughs> yeah, he's just an awesome dog. He's definitely top movie dog. Yeah. He's top tier. I, I think the dog from The Thing is really awesome. I think this dog is fantastic as well. That should be a fun list. We should make a dog list. Maybe yeah. when Django turns like has a birthday, we should do like rank a, a top five dogs or something. That's like that. That'd be fun. Next month. It is next month. We should do that. Yeah. We have our your be- your top ten movies of the year come <laughs> list up. That maybe that's the episode we should do it on. That'd be fun. All right, let's move on to the next category, guys. So we, we wanted to break down and talk about some of the other characters in this film. Favorite characters that's not the Grinch or Max. Now, this could be minor characters. This could be a kind of a main character. There's like Cindy Lou Who. Or it could be anybody like that. Is there yeah. a favorite character that's not the Grinch? It's not the Grinch. I like... <laughs> Leonard's mom. Leonard's mom. Yeah, uh, I like her. Christine I like her. Baranski. Christine Baranski. I like her and the bickerness, not bickerness, but like little competition as Sinelu's mom. That's actually. But she, I like her because she's funny. I like when she goes, hi. When she... Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. And every time I set, she pops on the screen. I always have to say that. Yeah. Just say, oh, hi. <laughs> this is new. How <laughs> she talks is hilarious. Uh, but you also mentioned Molly Shannon's character of uh, Betty Lou Who, which is the mom. And yeah. they have a big, good back and forth. And yeah. Molly Shannon's a fantastic actress. And you probably don't, you don't recognize the name or no. the face. But Molly Shannon's been in quite a bit of things. And you might have seen some stuff here. Uh, she play, She's known for like Superstar, which is an SNL sketch. I also really like her in Wet, Hot American Summer. She's played in Scary Movie 4. Uh, she played in Osmosis Jones. Oh, she's in Promising Young Woman. I'm really excited for that movie. Jay and Silent Bob as one of the, uh, the ladies in that movie. She has like, She's a minor character that pops up in some of these movies here. And But Molly Shannon's a fantastic little yeah. uh, comedic actor. 
who pops up. And I, I know Maybe her. Maybe through own. SNL. That's yeah, where we yeah, watched SNL. her. We watched a lot of watched a lot of clips from SNL from, for you. So yeah. you, you've seen her face before yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, minor characters. I'm going through the IMDb page right now. They're like I like uh, Bill Irwin who plays Lulu Who, the mailman, yeah. her dad. I think uh, he kind of realizes that, oh, I wasn't paying attention to my daughter. Yeah. And he has a good, kind of like, he turns just the channel a little bit. And I, I didn't know anything anything from Bill Irwin, and he doesn't really look like, I guess he was in Rachel Getting Married, and he also show up, shows up in Interstellar and Lady in the Water, and a few other, like, roles here. But nothing that I, like, super recognized him being in. But I, I enjoyed, like, he's, he's, he's an enjoyable little character in this movie. Um, I also really like... Because this is a Ron Howard film, we got to also mention Clint Howard, which is got his brother that always shows yeah. up in all these different movies, like Apollo Thirteen. He shows up in this movie. He shows up, you know. And he was at the Water Boy. He was uh, one of the guys in the 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 stand, always like saying the wrong things in the yeah. stand. And uh, Apollo Thirteen was one of the astronauts. But uh, in this movie, he one second he plays uh, uh, okay. Hobers. I didn't even know that was his name, Hobris or whatever. But he was one of like the mayor's assistants. The mayor is played by Jeffrey yeah. Tambor from like Arrested Development. So what we what we really know him for. for. But yeah, Clint Howard is the character that he's one of those guys that pops up. It's like, oh, that's Clint Howard. Like you recognize his, I recognize his face right when he yeah. shows up uh, for me. And so that that's somebody I would like to. But he's a kind of fun character. Um, and you know, there's a couple other ones here. I guess the one character we haven't really mentioned. Yeah, we're not mentioning the mayor because not us, but it's Cindy Lou Who. Yeah. Taylor Momsen. Momsen. Now Taylor. Was, yeah. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Because I want to say she's like in a band, music band, music band. Yeah, she hasn't really been in a whole lot of stuff. Like this, I believe this was like one of her first movies. If I correct. Yeah, one of her first movies. She was on a couple of TV shows. I guess the. Prophet's Game from 2000 was she was Honeybee Swan and then she also played in this movie as well and then We Were Soldiers in 2002 and Spy Kids 2 she was in that mm -hmm. film and Hansel and Gretel which is like a little TV movie it looks like Saving Shiloh um, she was in 2007's Underdog which is like a live action uh, cartoon movie and basically it just kind of just like did her own little thing from then on out but yeah she's uh, not really acting too much anymore but yeah, she's a. She was kind of like, uh, you know, she had a good voice in this movie. My yeah. Evelyn really likes her, and she kind of disappeared. She, we took a little break, uh, in intermission of recording this, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm gonna watch a movie now. See ya." She's actually watching The Grinch again after we just got done watching it. Yeah, she, she'd rather go watch it again and talk about it because yeah. that's that's how she rolls. She's living her best Grinch life. That's what she does. Uh, but yeah, those. These are, those are all some characters that we mentioned. I think that, there, you know, there might be somebody, like, in the background, one of the guys, like, who feeds the guy Grinch fudge, fudge or something like that. But nothing, like, I really care about too much. Like, yeah. there, there's funny, like, people, yeah. characters in there, but we don't really know, yeah. get to know them too much. Like the moms, the stepmoms. Or... Oh, yeah, the two stepmoms who take the Grinch moms, in. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two moms. Uh, how about the worst character? I think it's pretty the, obvious who the worst the character is. The mayor, and I'm quite shock that you told me who he was i did not recognize him at all yeah played by jeffrey tambor mayor um mayor augustus mayhu augustus mayhu played by jeffrey tambor who like i said is arrested development transparent um he played in a couple other movies as well he's an actor he shows up 
The Hangover. He was uh, Zachary, uh, Zach oh. Galifianakis' dad in The Hangover. Um, those kind of movies, too. But, yeah, he's definitely the worst character in this movie. He's definitely the biggest jerk. The bully. He's a bully. Or, as Evelyn would say, he is not cute. He is a bully. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he is definitely the worst character by far in this movie. And... No ifs, ands, or buts with me. I, I think that's... I, are yeah. We, are we, are we pretty, yeah, we could agree. <laughs> uh, was there any other character that's kind of like the worst? It's a bad character. Mm. I have a, a small, minor one that it's like was in like one scene. I want to know more of the brothers because they seem like they're like the bad boys, you know. They try to. Saw, they try to talk We tough, just yeah. saw them in the beginning and then they're not... And then towards the end when they're singing, but that's about it. Yeah, they like show up at the very... Yeah, I was actually going to mention some yeah. of the brothers too. The brothers, but also that girl who was like... like seems super thirsty about Stu. He's like, yeah. do it for me, Stu. <laughs> and I was like, you're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you're the worst. The guy's trembling in fear. He's trying to impress you. Let him alone. Like, yeah. come on. Like, She's geez. just trying to give him that extra push. <laughs> yeah, just this little uh, uh, initiation or, you know, push, yeah. little push to get... But anyway, yeah, that, that was a pretty bad character. It's not really getting a whole lot of screen time there, mm-hmm. but yeah, the mayor's pretty is. Uh, best scene in the movie. Best scene. Best scene. Um, so many... There's some, there's some pretty... There's some easy ones to pick from, yeah. for sure. Uh, when his heart grows... <laughs> I think it's a I'm classic. Feeling, That's a, yeah. I'm feeling, Max. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> I love that. I always okay, laugh. Okay, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I say, oh, that that okay. You got you got to set the scene up yeah. now because this is totally. You were we were watching this yeah. scene happen and like this is totally my beautiful wife here. Like this is exactly how she is when I get home. I show her over. I get get overly affectionate with her, and our dog is the same way. She wants to open you with welcome arms, and I was like. Back okay. away, I'm done. <laughs> set up the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, step away. I love you guys, but back off. <laughs> I need my space, damn it. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, uh, though, that's a great scene. I think that's a good one to yeah. be there. And then, um, I, I gotta go with that Ron Howard, like, impersonation, that improv scene. You really scene. like that scene. Yeah. Huh. This is a fun one for me. It's like, it's something such a, I also like, when he's trying to scare Cindy Lou Who away. Yeah. When she first get there. And he, he breaks the fourth wall, looks at the screen. Kids these days. So desensitized by movies and TV. Yeah. Nothing phases them. <laughs> like, that, that little... That, that's funny. That's just Jim Carrey yeah. being Jim Carrey. I also like the scene when they were, like... He came down to... Because he got nominated and won the award. I like that scene, too. Yeah, I think there was some fun stuff to happen in there. They overstuff him and give him so many food. Yeah, I, then it can't be clear because when he... The mayor gives him that, that razor... Kind of like, oh, what a hack job. Like He, has, he knew like, what he was doing. The mayor knew. Yeah. The mayor knew. That's why he's the biggest jerk in this movie. He's the, he's a wor- he's the worst. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other scenes you want to mention? Mm, not that I could think of. Not anything? Okay. It's I'm, all good. It's all, yeah, it's, we're just gushing. Yeah. Like I said, this is a nostalgia review. We're, we're gushing over how much we love this movie. But I guess the one thing we do have to mention, because it is the holiday season... It's the holiday season. I'll stop singing right now. Uh, how it? How? Oh, go ahead. Speaking of the holiday season, we still gotta drink the eggnog they have to try for the first time. Ooh, yeah, I gotta try some eggnog. I guess I will. I guess next time we, I have to report on it. Or unless you want to bust it out right now. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know how that as well how it works. But that's yeah. a good question. I'll drink some eggnog on the next podcast. I'll uh, report back with you guys and let them know I actually tried some eggnog. Yeah. Actually, follow me on Instagram. I'll, I'll make I'll make a video for my first time, uh, you know, 
trying eggnog. Follow me on almost sideways underscore Adam on Instagram, and you can find a video of me drinking some eggnog for the first time. So there we go. Um, anyway, uh, I guess uh, we're talking about the holiday season, talking about eggnog, talking about Christmas trees, Grinch, stealing Christmas, all that's good stuff. How does it make you feel about the holidays, this film? It makes me feel warm and happy. Gets me in wow, the spirit. Wow, what, what a film to do so. <laughs> it gets me in the spirit of Christmas because how you're we about, celebrate you're about it. about gifts? No, well, how I we celebrate kidding. it. Like, the message is it's it's not about presents. It's yeah, about absolutely. family, you know, and that's what we like to do, our tradition, since we have my, had Evelyn and my sister. We like to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, like open the presents and then Christmas Day, wake up, sleep in and make it about family, like have that breakfast interaction, watching movies, just hanging out and actually being with family. And yeah, we like we all like bring yeah. all our Christmas, like we will go like the, the day, like I get home from work or our leg gets home from work and Christmas Eve and we open our presents and then we kind of go do our thing. And we kind of, we're able to sleep in on Christmas Day a little bit. And then we come back together in the family as a, as a household. And one of us got a movie. That's what we watched that day. Or yeah. this year's going to be a little different because we might, there's a possibility of somebody getting a movie. But there's a lot of good movies coming out on streaming like Wonder Woman and Soul and Promising Young Woman. I'm trying to really, I'm selling really hard on that one. <laughs> I think I'm going to be, uh, I think I'm going to be not watching that right away. But. But yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming out. Like we're gonna definitely spend time, and I love our tradition too of like going out and getting gingerbread or not gingerbread. Wow, cinnamon bombs. Cinnamon bombs. I, I just failed. Yeah. I have failed. I, I'll take the, I'll take the L on this one, guys. Cinnamon bombs always having in the morning with like fruits, bacon and eggs, or even pancakes, some extra sugary stuff. But because that's our tradition. Side diabetes. It's all good. <laughs> But then we all make sure we get some coffee. And oh, yes. 2020, if 2020 has taught me anything, is that my wife is very persistent. She's got me hooked on drinking coffee. Not I'm not hooked. I don't want to drink coffee every day. But if I'm with her and we're having our day, she gets me a coffee and I drink it. Yeah. And I never had drank coffee before 2020. So, yeah. Yeah. Great job. Accomplishment. Hashtag goals. <laughs> Uh, was there a, okay, so as we wrap up this podcast and this episode of Nostalgia Review, our daily dose of nostalgia, we want to do um, two things. We kind of wanted to do a, a Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas quiz. Mm-hmm. Now, we did not, I did not come up with questions. We are taking a quiz online, and then also we're going to draw, we're, I'm my wife's going to record this for Instagram, so you guys can also check out the video there to to see what movie we actually drew. And we're not going to rig it or anything like that. We put a bunch of movies in the uh, cup. We did pops wrote a popsicle sticks to make it completely random, and see what our next nostalgia review for the month of January will be. So let's try to find a good Grinch quiz. All right, so Arlen and I found a good quiz. It's twenty questions long. It's the Christmas quiz, the ultimate Grinch Christmas movie quiz. We haven't taken it before. Have we taken this quiz yet, honey? No, we haven't. Take our word for it, folks. Okay, so question number one. As a baby, where did the Grinch live? Whereville, Whoville, Whatville, or Lutton? Wouldn't it be Whoville? I think it would be Whoville, yeah. Push Whoville. Okay. Where did the where did he run away to? Mount Crumpet, Mount Grinch, Mount Grumpy, Mount Christmas. It's Mount Crumpet. Yeah. 
for sure. Does it tell you that we got the I think at the very end, yeah. Why does the Grinch hate Christmas so much? Because his birthday is on Christmas Day? Because he never gets away get, gets any presents? Because his heart is too small? Because he's green like a Christmas tree? Uh, well, it was because of the scene where you try to give a present to, to yeah, Leonard's her. mom. <laughs> And um, he didn't get one back, but that's because he was bullied. I want to say that's why he didn't celebrate. Yeah, I think it's going to be because his heart's too small. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's because they it's, were friends. His, his heart's too yeah. small, yeah. What is the name of Gr- Grinch's Max. dog? Yeah, we've talked about this. Grinch's dog, his name is Max. The other choices were Keith, Rover, and Nasher. Mm-hmm. Who made everyone realize that the true meaning of Christmas uh, who made everyone realize what the true meaning of Cindy Christmas Lou was? Who. Cindy Lou Who, Lulu Who, Grinch's mom, or Max? Cindy Lou. What award does the Grinch win? Best Grinch, Worst Grinch Ever, the Holiday Cheermeister yep. Award, or Most Green Person at Christmas? The Holiday Cheermeister. Yep. What gift does Mayor May Who give to the Grinch? A, a toy train set, a football. A box of chocolate or an electric razor? Electric razor. Yeah, absolutely. What does the Grinch dress his dog as to help him pull the sleigh? Santa Claus, a reindeer, an elf, or a Christmas tree? A reindeer. Yeah, reindeer. We talked about these already, so we're good. We're good. We're doing good, I think. Question number nine. Who catches the Grinch attempting to steal the town's presents? Cindy Lou? Mayor May who? Martha May whoever? <laughs> Lulu who? Cindy Lou. Cindy Lou, yeah. What was the first thing he stole? Ooh, Christmas cake? Everyone's Christmas stockings? Everyone's Christmas decorations? Santa's mince pies? Ooh, this is a tough one now. Alright. I want to say he raided the, the fridge. The cake? I think that's a good question. I think that's good. It's that or the stockings. But yeah, yeah I think it's uh, the cake. Let's go with a cake. All right. Totally. <laughs> okay. Number 11. Where does the Grinch dump everyone's Christmas presents? And they've been in a big fire. Mount Crumpet. The local dump. It's Mount Crumpet. But he didn't actually do that, though. Because he got... <gasps> You entered it wrong. I pushed the wrong button. Oh, and I can't change it. Well, if we get one wrong, it's on you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I, we are going to get one wrong because I pushed the wrong thing. Anyway, user error. Okay. How does the Grinch ruin the town's Christmas party? He stole the buffet. He, he ate all the chocolates. He burned the tree with a flamethrower. He kept shouting over the music. Well, he kept shouting over the music. But he set the tree on fire, too. Yeah, the set tree. the tree on fire. You want to do this one because I messed up the last one? You're... I'm fired. Yeah. <laughs> Why did the Grinch give up on his pl- plans to ruin Christmas? He heard, he heard the Who family singing. He got a gift voucher. He got a warm pair of gloves. He found a fidget spinner. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, we went with heard the family singing. Mm-hmm. What happens to his heart after that? It turns into a Christmas cake and grows bigger. Okay. It turns into a Christmas tree babble. It turns into a sad face emoji. His heart gets bigger. How big does it grow? 
twice as big, three, three times. times the size, to the size of an orange. It grew bigger than his head. Three, three sizes. Three sizes, okay. Number 16, almost done, guys. Who promises Martha a car if she marries him? The Grinch, Santa Claus, Mayor Who, or Buddy the Elf? Mayor Who. What happens when the Grinch's sleigh starts to fall off Mount Crumpet? He, start, he starts to laugh. He takes a selfie. He finds the strength to lift it up. He sarcastically sings a Christmas carol. He finds the strength to lift it up. There we go. I think we're doing good. Does Martha marry Mayor Who? No, because she'd rather be with the Grinch instead. Yes, because she already wanted a new car. No, because clearly she still loves the Grinch. How does the Grinch spend Christmas? Alone with a bag of crisp? Eating all the advent calendars he took? Eating the massive feast in his cave with the Who family? Or wrapping presents? Spend Christmas? He didn't spend it alone. He didn't. He, he eating a massive feast in his cave with the Who family. Yeah, he invited all the Who's up there and mm -hmm. he was... I call the gizzards, <laughs> he says. Okay, last question. What does the Grinch and his dinner guests eat for their Christmas meal? Joffrey cakes, roast beast, a bowl of peanuts, a small bowl of soup. Roast beast. Roast beast. I think we nailed this other than the one question I pushed wrong. We shall see. All right, it's loading. It's calculating it, folks. Do, 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 do. Your score is 17 out of 20. I want to know which ones are going oh, wrong. Oh, 18 out of 20. Wait a second. 17. Okay, we're going okay. up. We're going up. Here they go. Here we go. Okay. Question one we got right as a baby. Grinch did grow up in Whoville. Where did he run away? Mount Crumpet was correct. Yeah. What does what the Grinch hate Christmas? Because his heart's too small. His dog's name is Max. We got... Whoa. Whoa. Who made everyone realize the true meaning of Christmas was? We said Cindy Lou Who. We even pushed that <gasps> No, it was his dad. The dad. He's like, no, I believe her. Because that is the true meaning of Christmas. It was the dad at the t in the, oh, the town. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I even said that, too. I don't fired. know. Wow, we're both fired here. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Um... He did win the Holiday Cheermeister Award. Mm -hmm. Electric Eraser was the gift he got. A reindeer is what Max was dressed up as. Cindy Lou was the person attempting to steal it, or was the person who caught the Grinch stealing. What was the first thing he stole? A Christmas cake. It was everyone's stockings. I think I said that. But I thought it was the cake. The cake was a good choice. So is that Christmas stockings? Mm -hmm. That's the one we missed. Uh... In a big fire, it was Mount Crumpet. I pushed the wrong button on this one. Yeah, so, so we we're counting that. We're counting we that as a win. We would have gone eighteen out of 20. twenty. That's not bad. That's not bad, actually. That's actually pretty bad because we watch it every year. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. We missed two. All right, guys, I'm gonna grab if Arlette can get the Instagram up real fast. All right, so this is hey guys, what's going on? I am drawing for our next nostalgia review for the month of January. My wife and I have been doing movies that feel. Uh, that are special to us growing up. So today we are dry, drawing. We're actually live right now on a podcast. We're recording right here. But we are um, 
gonna draw our next movie. We wanna prove that we actually drew the right one. So I'm going through our popsicle stick here. Popsicle stick to see which one we're gonna be talking about next. Hopefully Star Wars, my wife loves. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Our movie that we're gonna be. Okay, here we go, I got it. Ooh, I'm nervous now, I'm nervous. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be a fun one. George, George, George of the jungle, strong as he can be. Watch out for that tree! All right, so that's our next film. George of the Jungle is going to be our film review, nostalgia review for the month of January. Initial thoughts about this film there, Arlette. Are you excited to do this one? I am excited. I, I, I like that, that movie. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that you suggested that we have to put in our bucket here, I believe. Is it a Disney movie, too? Yeah, it's a Disney movie, huh? I think it, it could be on there. I know it stars Brendan Fraser, Thomas Hayden Church, uh, some other actors. I can't remember right now. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. So yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's on Disney Plus or streaming somewhere. If not, I can try to... We can go Amazon, go on there and try to find a, a Blu-ray, DVD, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. We'll find this movie. We're definitely going to be reviewing this movie on our, our next episode that Arlette's going to be on. And like I said, I kind of hinted at this... I kind of talked her into doing her top 10 movies of 2020, so that will be... I have not agreed. It's kidding. It's true. She, she got me there. But hopefully, you know, in, you know, next month, we'll do George of the Jungle, as well as the best movies of 2020, uh, you know, with Arlette. So it's going to be a lot of fun conversation there. So any closing thoughts about The Grinch or George of the Jungle? Mm, the Grinch you? is a really good movie. You guys should go see it. And if you haven't, where have you been? Have you been living in Mount Crumpet? That's yeah. the question here. Uh, anyway, guys, let us know uh, what you guys thought about the movie. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I really had a fun time with you, Arlette. Thank you for being a part of another episode. Of course, my love. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, go see, go go watch George the Jungle. Go see the Grinch. Let us know on Twitter, at Almost Sideways on Twitter. Thank you, guys.